Welcome to Pass the Hot Sauce, a Roswell podcast. I'm Lorena Rose. I'm Lisa Abigail. And I'm Aliza Ora. Today's mini-sode is about aliens and pop culture through the ages. For this mini-sode, we're going to be looking primarily at movies where Earthlings go to other planets or bodies or where alien creatures come to Earth. So we're not looking at movies like Star Wars or things like Star Trek, even though we love those and think they're great. We're talking mostly about like first contact types of things or uh, realities where aliens have some sort of interactions with humans here on Earth. So our very first look at this comes from the 1902 movie Le Voyage dans la Lune. Sorry to anyone who speaks French. Uh, this is the famous Georges Méliès film where a bunch of scientists go to the moon. And I remember this movie. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, it's on YouTube. It's like 11 or 12 minutes long. It's super duper weird. And in this time, and really like for most of the first half of the 20th century, pretty much all of the aliens look humanoid, uh, which is probably partly because the technology at the time didn't allow for them to do a lot of special effects. So it's just dudes in suits. Uh, but the the interesting thing about this movie that I found, so this is the one, if you've ever seen that picture of the moon with like a rocket stuck in its eye, that's what, this is what that's from. I did not ever realize that it is an anti-imperialist satire. Oh. Yeah. So the uh, scientists who go up to the moon meet the Selenites, who are the native inhabitants, and they just start murdering them for fun. Yay. And I had no idea that it was this political thing. So there you go. Um, So there are a bunch of other examples of this. One of my favorites is Elita, which is a Russian film that was released in 1924. The Martians are just humans with like a really good fashion sense. I love all of the costumes. They have these super cool headpieces. It's like very avant-garde style. And I love it. And this would still be a silent film, correct? In 1924? Yeah. Yeah, so then we go through the 30s and 40s. There's not that much. Uh, There's some Flash Gordon serials that seem kind of cute. But really, once we get to the post-World War II period, this is where we see an explosion of sci-fi movies, and particularly movies focused on space, because all of a sudden, rocket ships don't seem that far-fetched. So we have huge leaps in technology, a lot of which have come out of the need for advanced weaponry and military transport uh, in the war. And so there's this dawning realization that we could develop the technology to travel to other planets, and then maybe there were other people out there who could develop the technology to come to us. And you also then have in this period, obviously, a lot of Cold War paranoia, the anti-communist rhetoric, McCarthyism, and conformist mm-hmm. culture. So there's this like huge fear of the other, especially a technologically advanced other who could use that technology to literally destroy mankind. And so you see this in um, in things like the invasion of the body snatchers where people are taken over. And this is seen by a lot of folks as like an anti-McCarthyism um, commentary. And then you have... Uh, You have a lot of other examples where there are aliens who are coming down to Earth essentially to save us from ourselves. So it's this idea that they look and like this was in the day the Earth stood still where they're like, hey, humans, you're 
doing crappy things. You you have warfare. You have the capability now for these weapons that could do a lot of damage. So stop doing that. We're here to save you. But if you don't do what we say, then we'll destroy you to prevent you from messing up the whole rest of the universe. Because that's the way to do things. <laughs> Well, I mean, but it's interesting, right? It's the idea of like this more technologically advanced being that's essentially to us indistinguishable from a god. And specifically in the day the earth stood still, there is a very Jesus-like figure in that. So it's the idea of like God coming down and saying like, what are you people doing? And I think, right, a lot of people at this time, I'm sure were feeling terrified at the prospect of nuclear war. And mm-hmm. so the yeah. idea that someone might come out here, someone might come from out there, rather, and mm-hmm. say to us, you're on the wrong path, but it's okay, we're here to help you now. I think that, yeah, that was really appealing. It makes sense also with the God idea of coming, them coming to save us, coming from the sky. People have this idea of like the heavens and God being up above. So I guess that, you know, it is kind of consistent with that. Yeah, Absolutely. Then you have movies like Earth vs. the Flying Saucers, based on Major Donald Kehoe's book, Flying Saucers from Outer Space. We discussed him in our Roswell Incident minisodes. And this is just a pure invasion movie, where it's just the other is coming for us, and they will destroy us. And we can't communicate with them, so we can't get them to stop this. There's no negotiation. It's just, "Mm, they're here. The Earth is destroyed. The end. Yay! That's the kind of movies that I feel like there are the most of, maybe I'm wrong, but, you know, things like Independence Day and um, I can't think of what else I'm thinking of at the moment, but Independence Day comes to mind, obviously. Yeah, so I think that that's somewhat of a more modern idea, um, and I think part of that is just to do with special effects. Like, we now have the technology to make visuals of us fighting back against the aliens whereas like if you look at this flying saucer movie it's just very cute because it's all clearly little miniature models so you have like a flying saucer crashing into the capitol building and it's just like (laughs) clay i feel like i've seen clips of that i definitely haven't seen the whole movie but i feel like i've definitely seen some clips from that yeah you can see like the sticks that they're all attached to or like the fishing line (laughs) that they're hanging from yeah exactly Yeah, so the 60s had a lot of alien movies. There weren't a lot that I've heard of other than 2001 A Space Odyssey, but that doesn't really fit our parameters because it's kind of far in the future, and we don't see the aliens. Although I did learn that Kubrick described them as beings of pure energy and spirit with limitless capabilities and ungraspable intelligence, which I think puts them firmly into the godlike category. Yes, for sure. And then we get into the 70s. We get a lot more creative-looking aliens, better special effects. And also, we start to see people exploring the idea of what would it look like if humans had been around long enough to really get out into the stars and explore the universe. And so, I said, we're not going to really talk about Star Wars as much, but this is where you get that sort of thing where you have human and humanoid species just all throughout the universe, and you see a lot more interaction of different alien races. So some examples of the more creative aliens we have, we have Dark Star in 1974, and this is one where folks are a little farther in the future, and they're just traveling around, and there's a very cute little beach ball-looking pumpkin-type alien. It's really cute. 
And we have a few examples of aliens being among us, and they reveal their human presenting characters as aliens in the third act, like Escape to Witch Mountain and the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I love Escape to Witch Mountain. It's one of my favorite childhood movies. So 1977 brings us Close Encounters of the Third Kind. We briefly talked about this when we talked about Dr. J. Allen Hynek, who came up with these kind categorizations. And so this is really where we get the typical gray-skinned, almond-eyed, child-sized, vaguely human-esque aliens. So you see a lot of aliens from this point forward who kind of look like this. And these aliens communicate via lights and tonal patterns, but this was, I mean, this was like a pretty seminal movie in the alien genre. The aliens are coming here. We don't really know what they want, but they seem pretty peaceful. And so you get that, like, a look at what first contact could be if people try to communicate with the aliens instead of just trying to blast them out of the sky. And then 1979 brings us a total game changer for this genre, which I think Elisa is going to tell us more about. Yep. So uh, 1979, Alien came out, um, which totally changed the whole standard for Aliens. So one thing that's interesting about Alien is that before the movie came out, none of the promotional material um, actually showed the actual Alien in the film. Um, because they wanted audiences to be surprised and shocked by what the alien looked like because it wasn't the typical gray aliens that Lisa was just talking about with the big heads and the, you know, buggy eyes and the long arms and legs. Um, this one was totally different. Um, it was the xenomorph, which has since become a whole family of xenomorphs and, and the different alien movies have shown the different stages of life of the xenomorph. Um, so it really set a new standard for what extraterrestrials could look like in science fiction. For myself, Lorena, and all of our listeners out there who don't know what the word xenomorph means, can you give me a quick rundown? Can I really quickly say, Lorena, I thought that you were going to say, I haven't seen Alien, and we were going to have another movie. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) I don't like scary movies. It looks scary. I don't like scary movies either. This is a fantastic movie. Okay. And like we said, it really was quite revolutionary in terms of uh, movies and about aliens. Um, And actually, I just used the word extraterrestrial a minute ago. And I thought it was interesting because while clearly there had been lots of fiction, whether in writing or TV or movies or whatever before 1956. Um, It turns out that 1956 was when the first published use of extraterrestrial as a noun came out. So that's quite interesting because, you know, I always thought with maybe the War of the Worlds, which was uh, in a book by H.G. Wells, which was 18 something, 1880 something, I believe. you know, I figured extraterrestrial was the word that was used, but it turns out that was actually a newer word from 1956. Um, I think I interrupted, and so we didn't get an answer to Lorena's question about what xenomorph means. That's true. Okay. I don't, yeah. Do Like, etymologically, what does it mean? Because I don't want to tell you what the alien is because you should watch the movie. I mean, I've seen what the alien looks like. 
So that's a xenomorph. Okay. From what I, I started looking up like, what is xenomorph? And everything I found was about the movie that I think that's just the name of the alien in that movie. But okay. So if you like, if you think about the word Xeno mm-hmm. is like a stranger or a foreigner. So it's like a foreign life form, essentially. Okay. I think is just what that word, like it's just another way of saying alien. Cool. I think. And one fun fact that I found about this movie, which is actually not fun at all, it's disgusting, is, and it sort of makes sense because I think there's a lot of very sexual imagery with the xenomorphs. Uh, the the They always have this drippy, drippy crap coming out of their weird little disgusting mouths mm-hmm. in the movie. That is KY Jelly no. personal lubricant. Yay. It's so gross. So gross. I also found out that the the uh, Ridley Scott, the director, was like adamant that he didn't want the alien to look like a guy in a rubber suit. And so you don't see the full body alien until like really close to the end of the movie. And it is a guy in a suit that a casting director found in a bar somewhere. He was a, a graphic artist by trade. So if you go to his IMDb page, this is the only credit he has. But he was like seven feet tall and super, super thin. He had these really long arms. And they were just like, hey, buddy, how would you like to be in a movie? And he became the xenomorph that we all know and fear deeply. All right. But it's funny that, you know, still this guy that they found at a bar sounds like his, his body is still what we kind of imagine in gray aliens, right? Super yeah. skinny, long arms, long legs. Um IMDb says he's from Nigeria, but maybe that's just a cover story. Hmm. Maybe he's from up north. Ooh. <laughs> um, so I started looking at the different types of aliens that we see in science fiction. So um, I'll start with the anthropomorphic aliens, right? Meaning ones that we have kind of attributed our own uh, or, or projected our own human features onto. Um, mm-hmm. So... That's the gray aliens that Lisa mentioned. And Lisa also said this word humanoid a few times. So humanoid, as you can imagine, means aliens that are human-like. So their faces maybe look different, right? We we see lots of those in Star Wars, right? Um, where their faces are different, but they're really a human-like bodies, right? They have uh, distinguishable eyes and mouths. And more specifically... They have bipedal locomotion, right? So they walk on two legs. They have bilateral symmetry, right? Which is what what we have. So an eye on either side of our face. You can draw a line down the middle of our bodies and it's symmetrical on both sides of that. Um, They have a head, a trunk, two arms, two legs. They're forward facing, right? So there are lots of different types like E.T., for example, in Spielberg's movie, E.T. Cutest. So cute. Uh, Lorena, please tell me mm-hmm. you've seen E.T. I have seen E.T. <laughs> okay, good, yes. good, good, good. <laughs> I have also ridden the ride many times at Universal Studios. Oh, of course Aww. you have. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, so yeah, when you think of E.T., it's like, okay, he doesn't look human. But when you think about it, he actually has a lot more in common with humans um, than with either even other animals on, on Earth, right? Mm-hmm. Because E.T. still has the limbs and the eyes and the mouth in the same place and is forward-facing, bilaterally symmetrical. Um, So when you think about it, it, E.T. still is humanoid. 
I kind of think E.T. looks just like an exa- an exaggerated toddler. Like when yeah. they're young enough to still be in that baby phase where like their head is disproportionately large, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right? And you're like, I don't know. Is this thing really, really ugly or really, really cute? Who knows? He toes that line very well. Um, and I think by that, by that definition, gray aliens are also humanoid, right? Not also cute. I wasn't going there with it. But <laughs> although, mm, kind of, sometimes maybe. Um, but those gray aliens are so ubiquitous that when you type alien into your phone on in a text, the emoji that pops up is that a classic gray alien. Um, but so I was also thinking one of my favorite alien TV shows is Defiance, where all of the aliens are very human-like. They have like maybe different color skin or their hair is different or maybe a tiny little bit of their face is different, but they're all... Though they're all aliens, they all really look like humans. And then we have the cephalopods, right? So we have in a lot of science fiction, more so more recently, um, movies where the aliens look nothing like humans and don't necessarily have a discernible face or legs or arms, completely different anatomy from us, um, where they have tentacles but it's still within the realm of what we can imagine based on what we know, right? So an octopus, a squid, these things have tentacles like that. So in the movie Arrival, um, there are heptapods, right? Hepta meaning that they have uh, seven tentacles. And also in the movie Edge of Tomorrow, um, which is a Tom Cruise movie, and though I don't usually like Tom Cruise movies, I love this movie. And they're also tentacle-like, but they don't, from from what you can tell, they don't have an up and down. Hmm. So they're just kind of rolling around. Um, it's pretty crazy and, and different. Um, so I even saw some depictions of H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds where the, and, and it seemed to be pretty old, um, where the aliens are depicted as having these tentacles still with maybe a, a saucer on top, but all these tentacles coming out underneath. Sort of like a jellyfish? Yeah. In the, I think it's the 19, is it 53? I believe in the 1953 version of that movie, they're like stalks. And so they move around on their little stalk legs or bodies or whatever. And then they have something resembling a head, but instead of eyes, they have these three just like saucer-like light emitting Hmm. uh different colored things Hmm. that sounds more like an early robot than Mm -hmm. than a life form yeah yeah and the and the aliens in edge of tomorrow also are slightly robot like you know they have like lights and they look kind of mechanical and the funny thing is even though they are so different later on in the movie you see that some of them do have faces with a discernible mouth and, and face. And it, you know, it's kind of funny because even though they're so different, they really are anthropomorphic, um, like most of the aliens we see in science fiction. This next part of the conversation contains spoilers for the movie Arrival. If you haven't seen the movie, please don't listen to the next few minutes. Actually, on second thought, please go watch the movie. 
and then do listen. Um, and then before we start talking about what our favorite aliens are, or any ones that we haven't mentioned, uh, I did want to briefly touch on alien languages, because I myself love languages and linguistics so much. Um, and something that I found interesting is that as far back as the 17th century, people were writing about alien languages and were even imagining them to consist, um, quote, not so much of words and letters as tunes and strange sounds. Hmm. Right. So they they were kind of opening their ideas of what language could be, but still within uh, still within what our ideas of language are. Right. With vocal cords. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But we even know with languages that we have now that languages can be not just with voices, but with movements. Right. Like sign languages. Um, and then movies like Arrival take it one step further, right? We have, we have lots of alien languages in Defiance, for example, and I keep talking about Defiance because it's one of my favorites. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of different languages and ones I think that are even as developed as, you know, the languages that we use that people can conjugate the verbs and all that, but it's still, it's like a, a human language, with sounds. Um, but then in Arrival, they had a totally different way of using language. And they were pointing out that our language is linear in terms of time, right? It's all chronological. We have past tense, present tense, and future tense in most languages. Um, but the aliens in that movie have a completely different linguistic system where time works differently and it enables them to experience time differently. Um, it's actually quite brilliant, and a lot of the things that I read uh, when I was looking up uh, different alien languages, a lot of things I read referenced this movie because it really took language to a whole other realm. Um, and mm -hmm. before I saw the movie, I had a bunch of people telling me, oh, you like sci-fi and you like languages. You're going to love this movie. Um, so I thought it was cool. Also, I only saw that movie recently and was reminded of the Trophalmadorians from Kurt Vonnegut's novel, specifically Slaughterhouse-Five, but they show up in a few other things. Have either of y'all read that? I have not. I have so not. It's, the idea is that they sort of experience time also non-linearly. I think they describe it as like looking out on a mountain range so you can see the past, present, and the future all lined up, but it's not like, oh, I'm going to go from point A to point B to point C. It's like there's the whole alphabet, and I can just look at it at any given time. So I thought that was cool. a really interesting parallel. Like when we got to the twist in Arrival, I was like, oh, oh, they're Trafalmadorians. And speaking of other languages and, like, the use of sign language or body language, like how we use our bodies or our hands, and that can change, you know, a whole meaning. I know we touched on it a little bit in the past um, in one of our other minisodes, but with the His Dark Materials series starting up on HBO, there's these alien or sort of alternate universe beings that um, that are discovered in one of the books where... They're 
there are very subtle differences in their sound system, but the way they use their limbs in association with that sound system affects the meaning of the word and of the sound. Um, and like having the human character try and learn the differences in that language and how to use her arms to articulate the same way and get the meaning across is interesting in that language concept as well. That's so cool. It's like a combination of, you know, a vocal language and sign language. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It also makes me think, um, I think Lisa, you said something about them having flashing lights. It makes me think about, you know, what other language forms there could be that we can't, can't imagine or are limited from even learning because of our anatomy, you know, that there could be beings that use lights and maybe fog and mist because their bodies can make those things Mm -hmm. that we could never learn because our bodies can't. Yeah. That's interesting. The possibilities are endless. Yeah. So, um, I was mostly referencing a lot of my favorite, uh, (laughs) movies and TV shows like Defiance and Arrival and Edge of Tomorrow. What are some of y'all's favorites that maybe weren't mentioned? So my favorite is a little bit silly, but I am uh, quite obsessed with the little green men, the little aliens from the Toy Story franchise of movies, um, (laughs) which uh, are just, they're really cute. If you haven't seen the movies, they live in a claw machine um, in a pizza parlor and um, the claw is like their god um, or their master and like they all desire to be rescued by the claw to be taken to the next realm Um, which I've always just thought they were really adorable but I was doing a little bit of research about them and fell into this cool little rabbit hole about how um, there are similarities in them to either a doomsday cult or a cult in general maybe not a doomsday cult specifically because they do not have a specific doom day in their little alien culture they do not have a specific end of the world day um so it's really more of a form of this was a new word i learned today um totemism um which is i jotted down a little definition a group that has a sacred relationship with a specific object, um, which is slightly I different, slightly different to idolatry, which would be worshiping of an idol. Um, but so the rabbit hole I fell down, like decided that they weren't specifically a cult, but that they were definitely almost like a religious group that was worshiping the claw as their God or as their idol, their totem. Um, but, I thought that was just an interesting little rabbit hole about my favorite little characters um, from a silly little animated movie franchise. Uh, Not silly, amazing, and (laughs) award-winning. Yes, this is true. (laughs) So I have a bunch, so I'll just touch on them quickly. Mm -hmm. I think we would be remiss if we made it through this without mentioning Men in Black which showed a huge variety of aliens and the different ways that they interact with human life on Earth and blend in or completely fail to blend in, as the case may be. I also, when I lived in Queens, used to live right near the spaceships in uh, 
in that park where the World's Fair was. So I was always just kind of waiting for them to just take off one day. (laughs) When I'm walking my dog, I have a pug. If you guys don't know yet, people constantly, even if they don't know that the name of the breed is called a pug, people are always like on the street, oh, it's the men in black dog. It's the men in black dog. So (laughs) that's cute. So then I also, I really enjoy the alien movies that are also social commentaries. And so two of my favorites are District 9 from 2009 and Attack the Block from 2011. And I talked a little bit about Attack the Block in our episode zero. So this is one with John Boyega and Jodie uh, Whittaker. And it's about like a group of young men in a housing estate in England and how they deal with an alien invasion. So there's a lot of like subtext going on there, obviously. And then District 9 um, is, <laughs> it says a lot about apartheid and about the way that we treat refugees mm. and the way that we mm, dehumanize people and, you know, other creatures. Um, and the ways in which that sort of is a slippery slope into barbarity. Um, I actually got a, it's just a short run four issue comic book series. Um, I haven't sat down and read it yet. I just got the missing issue I had very recently and I didn't want to start it till I had all the pieces, but, um, it's the series is called LaGuardia and it is about, um, coming through customs at LaGuardia Airport, I believe, in New York City, but aliens coming through customs, and it is a parallel to a lot of what's going on in our country right now. It is illustrated by amazing queer comic book artist Tana Ford, um, and I got them from her at Comic-Con, and I need to sit down and read them, but um, it's really plays on the parallels of the way we dehumanize our immigrants and refer to them as aliens, but brings it in in a sci-fi comic book way of that they are actual aliens, but is using that to address a lot of the um, things that are going on in our country right now. And I'm really excited to dive into it, but I haven't had a chance yet. It sounds really interesting. Yeah, it does. Also sounds like the kind of book I would want to read because it has pictures. I'll send it your way. Um, Also, one thing we didn't talk about is video games. And I think, I can't really think of many um, with aliens, at least not that I've played. But one really popular one that I've played is Mass Effect, where not only are there aliens, but you work alongside them. Um, You bring them onto your team. And the aliens in that game are all humanoid. Mm. Um, There are also a lot of other popular TV shows um, that have humanoid aliens like, um, you know, you mentioned Star Trek, there's Babylon 5, Farscape, Stargate, um, and these all have pretty humanoid aliens in them. I also think it's worth mentioning that when we talk about humanoid aliens, pretty much without fail, the female humanoid aliens uh, have very large breasts mm-hmm. and your traditional hourglass figure even if that might not make super a lot of sense for whatever their reproductive uh, style may be. Yeah. A certain jingle comes to mind. Yes. Good to know. The patriarchy is alive and well in outer space. Yes. (laughs) Or just in the minds of all the stupid white men who write these things. Yep. Well, this was a lot of fun. (laughs) I got to 
look up and learn a lot about different types of aliens. And now I have other shows and movies on my list to watch. So this was a blast. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today for our discussion of the evolution of aliens in pop culture. In two weeks, for our next mini-sode, we will be discussing some interesting UFO sightings from around the world that we have uncovered. Next Tuesday, join us for our discussion of Roswell Season 1, Episode 9, Heat Wave. And please do subscribe to this podcast and leave us a rating and review on iTunes if you're enjoying it. You can always find us at www.roswellhotsauce.com, where you'll find show notes from Lisa, as well as bios about us. And you can also listen to this podcast directly on that website if you are not already listening to it on a different podcatcher. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at Roswell Hot Sauce. Also, if you have anything to say or questions for us, feel free to send us an email at roswellhotsauce at gmail.com. And I would like to close by saying, everyone, please go read Slaughterhouse-Five. It's amazing. Is there a movie? Uh. <laughs> <laughs>